Welcome to the Church Today podcast. The message you are about to hear was previously recorded and placed here just for you. Now let's listen in as service is already underway. I don't have to validate anything but to tell you the truth of the matter. There are two or three people that keep consistently hitting It's as if God is telling them what I'm going to preach about. And they're they're calling me and they're saying, I I can't help it, but God gave me a word for the church and He gave me the word sound. And the word is a noisy book. And suddenly there came a... This is what He's saying. A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house. And I... I just sit back and I say, my God, you obviously want to communicate something. If you will put it in two separate individuals at two separate times and you will try to deliver it to one people for one moment in time, for one day, one calendar day, so that the rest of their life can be changed. Come on, you must not understand it's Pentecost Sunday. And on this day, 2,000 years ago, On this day, 4,000 years ago, something took place that changed the course of human history. The horse lost his first 17 races. Yet in a depressive, depressionary event, driven area, he would become what is known as the people's athlete. This was an athlete that this depression-driven era could relate to. It was on April 27, 1940, in the Saturday Evening Post, that an article was published that read these words, Seabiscuit is the hero of the turf. The horse that came up from nothing on his own courage and his will to win. Seabiscuit lost the Horse of the Year nomination to a horse by the name of War Admiral. A triple crown winner that season, War Admiral took the prize possession away from who was known as the Biscuit. And yet, on November 1st, 1938, the two champions would meet for what would be called the match of the century. War Admiral versus the Biscuit. Admiral heavily favored. This race would be in Baltimore in front of 40,000 anticipating fans. See Biscuit's trainer had secretly been training this horse who would be considered a lazy horse. He trained in secret, training this horse who was not known to come off the starting gate quickly, but rather would catch his second wind around the breakaway and come home for the commanding winds. And yet, the trainer realized that War Admiral was no 
competition like the biscuit had ever faced before. And so when the bell sounded, you can imagine, biscuit came off the line in a commanding lead. To the fans' disbelief, Seabiscuit strolled to a heavy commanding lead. A little over a mile race, both horses would become winded and it would be the battle of the wills who would win the race. The jockey that was on top of Seabiscuit was named Wolf. He was not the main jockey. The main jockey had tore his leg up and because he tore his leg up was not able to be in that ride. And so Red Pollard told Wolf, this is what you have to do. When the biscuit comes to the home stretch, you have to give him a breather. Wolf was taken back by this advice who had been taught that once in the home stretch, you give him all he's got. But there was something different about the biscuit. Sea biscuit loved that drive. And so Tom. Wolf did exactly what old Pollard had said. And a commanding style lead, one two lengths ahead of War Admiral. The biscuit was allowed to slow down upon the last bend in the home stretch. Wolf hunkered down low in that saddle and realized something unique was getting ready to happen. As the war admiral came up on the right side of the biscuit. Something inside of that old horse. When he saw in his peripheral. His competition side by side. The fight. The fight of his life. He responded. To the amazement of this new jockey. That horse responded as he, as he in his own words said, it catapulted me back to realize that the biscuit had another gear. That horse, when it saw his competition in the final stretch, could see the finish line. That old biscuit coming back from a leg injury. That old biscuit that everybody said would never race again. The competition of his life. That thing that, had, that he had lost to. That thing that he had struggled against. That thing that had overshadowed him. That thing that had been taking a commanding position in his existence. It was as if that horse knew this was the race of my life. And so on the final stretch, the old biscuit did something that amazed everybody. He switched into a sixth gear. And when the final tally came forth, he had a four-length lead victory. It's the finale time, ladies and gentlemen. We are in a place and we are in a position where those things which may have been running parallel to us. Those things which may have taken a commanding lead in our lives. God, I'm telling you, I feel in my spirit, there is something 
that is left in the tank of some of us apostolics. A thing that we have yet to tap into, but we know exists. Something we have assumed was there, something we realized was there, something that was promised to us, uh, but we haven't called on it yet. Let me prophesy to this church for a second. God is not punishing us. He's not just testing us. He's not just trying to prove us. What he's doing is allowing things in our lives at this last home stretch in order to pull things out that we know are in there. That he knows remain untapped in there. I stood over there at the side. I know you're standing, but it's all right. I won't be lengthy. I stood over at the side and I began to pray the prayer of a release of the spiritual gifts in this final hour. I prayed for all nine of them. I know they're tucked away in this church. Don't get all wild. Don't don't lose control of your church. Now listen to me. When the gifts of the Spirit are truly in operation, there is absolute and complete control of the Almighty. It's when, now, it's when man starts using and abusing these things uh, that there becomes an uncontrolling factor and people start getting hurt. Uh, but the gifts of Spirit will not be where the fruits of the Spirit are not. I'm telling you, I reached for it a couple weeks ago when I preached on the scent of the finale and I'm reaching for the gifts of the Spirit again today. On this day of Pentecost, I'm reaching for it as I'm going to speak to this congregation on the sound of the finale. We rejoice when we realize that that fragrance is going to be released in the last day, saith God, as He pours out His Spirit upon all flesh. And again, we are reaching, Brother Short, uh, for the sound of that finale. And so I want you, I want you to join somebody, husband, wife, uh, whoever's sitting next to you or across from you, I want you to join somebody. These men join together. I want us to pray right now. Come on, somebody. I told you about faith. We need to release some things right now. Jesus, upon the authority of your word. Come on, are you going to release it right now? Are you praying upon the authority of his word? Upon the authority of your name. By the blood of the lamb. By the word of faith. By the shield of faith. We release right now that which is necessary those untapped there is a spirit of intercession that is trying to break free in our church in our people I release it right now in this home stretch there is a faith there is gifts there is miracles there is signs there is interpretation there is tongues there is a word of knowledge there is a word of wisdom there is a discerning of spirits there is a gift of healing There is the working of miracles. These things are trying to be released in this last day. I pray right now upon the authority of the word of the Lord that they will be released in our homes. That they will be released under your guidance through the submission that we have to the word of the Lord. We need church 
you hear me now? We need the total operation of the availability of the things of God to see the true revival of God. If we want the true reviving of God, if we want the true outbreak, if we want the true harvesting of God, we have to have the true operation of the things of God. We can make this building look as pretty as we want, but it will not make a single difference in changing somebody's life. We have got to tap into at this final home stretch. I wish there was something inside of you that not just responded when we sing a good song, but that was responsive when we went to a prayer closet when there was nothing else around. I, I, you know what I want? I don't want better ministries. I want better prayers. I don't want better ministers. I want men that know how to touch God. I want women that, want to, that know how to touch God. I don't want better board members. I want better prayer warriors. I want better intercessors. People that know how to release themselves in the presence of the Almighty. We want the results of God without the patterns of God. And it never works that way. If my people will humble themselves and pray. The best ministers are the best prayers. The best choir leaders are the best prayers. The best student pastors are the best prayers. The best board members are the best prayers. The best pastors are the best prayers. The best fathers are the best prayers. The best mothers are the best prayers. The best harvesters are the best prayers. This is what God's trying to release in this final hour. Is a hunger and a thirsting for Him. And on Pentecost Sunday, what preceded the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was prayer. You may be seated. Service has been running behind. Don't blame me that it's six minutes till one o'clock. Joel 2.28, and it shall come to pass. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Parents, I digress. Is our homes full of quotations from movies and sports statistics? Are they more from, now you hear me now, I digress, I realize this. Are our young people more familiar with the local game systems and and social media blurbs or whatever it is. We do not know how to navigate through the word of the Lord. If my son doesn't know the book of Zechariah is in the Old Testament, I have an issue. Ladies and gentlemen, in the last days, a seriousness is going to come upon this generation. We are living in a time and a day in which seriousness is out the door. I'm not too old. I still get it. I'm still connected. I may seem like to a, to a teenager that I'm out of date, but I'm not that out of date yet. I'm not there yet. But I realize that in the last day, the promises of God and the outpouring of God is not supposed to be something that is temporarily contained in an altar, temporarily contained in a youth service. Parents, we have got to become facilitators. I knew it was going to be tough today. I knew it was going to be difficult today. We need to become facilitators. I am not going to encourage my son more on a ball field. Than I would be. 
Shame on me, Baron Longstreth, if my son feels more encouraged in his sports stats than he does in a prayer closet. The facilitation for our sons and our daughters prophesying for young men seeing visions oh, is not going to take place four hours a week from a church. It's going to be a parental push. It's going to be a parental pattern that is set. Our sons and our daughters need to hear our parents wailing before God. They need to see it primary. I'm going to be nasty today. And then it's going to get wonderful today. But the nasty aspect is this. Uh, God forbid that my son is comfortable or confident in missing a church service for anything. Listen, it's a little nasty. You don't have to like me today. But Colby said... Colby said, you've got to release God. So you might have to come to me later if you're offended by what I'm saying. But if I'm showing them that it's all right, uh, that you can miss here and miss there and miss here, we're going to produce. You don't have to believe it. I'm not, a, I'm not a hard man. I don't get up on a pulpit and pound on a Bible. But in the last days, there is supposed to be an outpouring upon our children. And I have yet to see it. I haven't seen it yet. It's driving me crazy. Where is the daughters that are prophesying? And we have a great student ministry. And I'm a believer in this generation. I am not one to say, come on. No, I'm a believer. I'm the first one to say, I believe in you, Caleb. You've got a strong anointing on your life, Jacob. I believe in you, McKenna. I, I, every, the first day you walked in the church, I said, there's something special about her. There's, I'm a believer in our children. I'm the first one to say, come on, come on, come on. I want them praying for me. I want, but, but what I'm saying is, is there's got to be poured. There's got to be an outpouring. And, and some parent that's saying, there's a spot in my house. Uh, listen, you want to hear something? Not in notes. Here it is. The woman that was prophesied to by the old man that said, collect the pots. She did not go herself. She sent out her. And it was sons and daughters that went to collecting those barrels. Uh, Mama, do we need another one? The oil's still coming out. Uh, go, go. And so they went out. Uh, they saw that oil, anointing oil. They were a part of the process. Uh, they don't have to be 18, 24, 36. I'm telling you, 9, 10, 8. Uh, there are some things that can begin working in those children. There's going to be a sound in the last day. And that sound is going to come through a multi-generational. I want to see the reviving. I want my sons prophesying. I want them seeing visions. I want them seeing the angelic angels in our home. I want them binding and loosening in my house. Revival in the 21st century will be multi generational let me encourage you young person you do not have to wait on your mama you do not have to wait on your daddy you don't have to wait on your student pastors or old pastor you can get down on your face and begin to say god i'm hungry for it i I need it i'm thirsty i desire it old men shall see visions dream dreams It will be multi-generational. 
Would you lift your hands right now? God, I pray against the spirit that is trying to push some of our elders into a place where they don't exist. That they've lived their life already. I pray dreams in this place. God, I pray right now that there would be an absolute outpouring on every generation that is represented in this church. You said that you would pour it out and there was going to be a sound that took place and that sound in the last day was going to be cloven tongues setting upon each of them. Peter said, this is it. Joel prophesied about it. What was it? Stated several times this morning, but I'll tell you what was it. It was when Pentecost had come together. They were there. They were in one place. Suddenly there came a sound, a noise from heaven as of a rushing or violent rushing wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them. They saw tongues as of fire they saw the tongues of fire it wasn't just a sound now it was noised abroad and men began to come to see the spectacle but make no mistake about it the sound of the finale was visible When they looked around, they saw those tongues that had divided itself upon each and every one of them. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with those tongues. They saw the tongues as a fire. And they begin to speak or operate through those tongues. There was a sound from heaven. There was an appearance as of a cloven tongue of fire. And it set upon them. And then they began to speak with other tongues. The key terminology, hear me out. The key terminology that we identify with as a united Pentecostal church. That term Pentecost is a Greek term. It is not a Jewish term. It is a Greek term. The Jewish term or the Jewish name for Pentecost is a feast of harvest. (laughs) And when the feast of harvest was come. And when the feast of harvest was come. They would call it the day of first fruits. They would call it the feast of weeks. That feast was celebrated during what was known as the wheat harvest. Pentecost was unique because the Jews needed two rains. My wife alluded to this earlier. There was a former and a latter rain. That latter rain is something that even today we're kind of leery of. 
Because there was an outbreak some years back and that latter rain got out of control. It was a movement that kind of just swept through this region of the country for real. And it just caused all kinds of damage. And we have shied away from. But the Jews, they needed that, that literal latter rain. That former rain was October, November. And that former rain came down because the seeds had been planted. And that former rain, that beginning rain, would help the seeds to germinate. But it was the latter rain. They needed the greater latter rain. Because it was the latter rain that would would pull out the completion of the harvest. It would, it would allow those grains to come up into complete fruition. And so that latter rain that came down in those early spring months helped produce that wheat harvest that supplied Israel with what it needed. And so they celebrated a day that was called to us Pentecost. To them it was the day of first fruits. And it was a called the day of first fruits because the main activity on the feast day was they would take two loaves of that wheat harvest and they would wave those loaves before the Lord worshiping God for the harvest that he himself had provided it is no doubt Of a necessity that we worship the Lord for that which he has provided for us. But see this feast began to lose its primary significance. Because the Jews were scattered among the nations. As they scattered among the nations. Collected so on and, 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 and tribe here and people here and different Languages would begin to immerse as Israel wandered the desert for 40 years. People would be collected here and collected there. And Jews would come in. Greeks that would be circumcised. Gentiles that would be circumcised would begin to merge in with with the Jewish people. And they gathered at Sinai. This great mountain. Hear me. This great mountain. They gathered there and something significant was going to happen. Something significant. Uh, this primary purpose of, of this day of first fruits kind of lost its total meaning. And, and, and the significance kind of diluted down. And then the, the Jews began to celebrate uh, the, the, not only just a, a, a time of, of, uh, of the harvest, but it was a time now of the, the Torah. Because as they gathered at Sinai, it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders. Everybody say thunders. There were lightnings. Everybody say lightnings. There was a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. Everybody say there was a loud sound. So that all the people that was in the camp began to tremble. Moses brought forth the people out of the camp and said, listen, we're going to go meet with God. And they stood at the 
that at, at the, the Bible calls the nether part of the or the base of that mountain. And they looked up and what they saw was altogether the mountain was on uh, on fire. There was smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and smoke and ascended as the smoke of a furnace. Don't lose me now. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, there was a sound. Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of that mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount and Moses went up. Let me take you back to verse number 16 when it says there were thunders and there were lightnings. There was a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. And the people that were there, they trembled. And it caused them to be in a great state of confusion from that point on. And you can read the story out to the point where Moses on top of that mount, so long he was gone, they begin to collect the gold at Aaron's request and to and to forge a, a golden calf. And, and, and Aaron stood there and said, this is the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Moses comes down from that mount and he is so upset because he holds in his hand two tablets of stone that God himself had come down and with his mighty hand wrote ten laws. And Moses threw those tablets down and came into the camp and God judged those people. And the Bible says how many perished because he judged them. 3,000 men died. 3,000 men perished. But here's the interesting aspect. Although the English translation says that the people witnessed thunders or thundering and lightning. The Jewish scholars believe that the people that were represented that day as diverse as they were, as diverse in language, in, in, in diverse as culture as they were, they were brought into this place where God wanted to meet with them. You're going to miss this next spot. You missed the whole message. They believe, these Jewish scholars believe, that the people there did not think or see or or. Or translate the thunder and lightning as what we understand today. They literally, these Jewish scholars believe, they literally saw the voice of God as they heard the spoken word of God in their own language, in their own dialect. Every nation that had merged together calling themselves Hebrews as they appeared at Mount Sinai that when the when the power in the presence of God descended down from the heavens and as he began to speak and as what what is known as thundering and lightning Really, it was translated to these Jewish scholars that they knew that every tribe heard the language in their own voice. God was speaking to every man and every woman that was present there. 
nobody would be able to be exempt from the power of the speaking of the Almighty God. It was intended for everyone. The Jews believed that the voice of God was visible. Was visible. How did they believe that the voice of God was visible? Because they saw the voice of God in tongues of fire. When God spoke upon that mount and they heard the voice of the Almighty as they looked up, we translate it like this. It's lightning. But they saw it as tongues of fire descending upon that mount. They saw tongues like as of When they heard the voice of God, it seemed strange to the translators to say they heard the voice of God. And so they translated it as thunder. It seemed strange to see voices, so they translated it as lightning. And yet Psalms 29 gives us an understanding that the voice of God flashes forth flames of fire passed down from one generation to another was the story of those that were at Mount Sinai as they looked up and God said I want you to come up to a place in me I'm calling you up, Moses. I'm getting ready to separate my people. I hope you're understanding. I'm getting ready to separate my people from every other people. They will never be the same. They will never be equal. They will, ne- they will never be like anyone else. And how I'm going to distinguish this action is I am going to speak. And as I speak, they can translate it however they want. But the meaning of the translation is this. Those lightning bolts that they said they saw were nothing greater than my words that came down like fire. The writer of the book of Hebrews wrote these words to convey the same type of thought that the psalmist did. In Hebrews 12, for you have not come to me, or excuse me, for you have not come to what may be touched. A blazing fire, darkness, gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice whose words were made. I'm telling you, there was something about this moment. You see, the first Pentecost was actually not in the book of Acts at all. The first Pentecost is believed by the Jews to have happened in the book of Exodus. The giving of the Torah, the law of God, was given on the day of Pentecost. My law will be given. On a day of harvest. On a day where my people have gathered together the most diverse day of the year. The most diverse celebration of the year. A time when they are worshiping me. I will give my people my law. 
Uh, Hear me now. I will give my people my law. God on the first Pentecost wrote upon the tablets of stone. The law of the almighty God. And yet Jeremiah the prophet. Just in the small distant future. Would prophesy. That God would write his laws not on another uh, another stone, but on a fleshly tablet, which would be on men's hearts. And the book says, suddenly. The book says, suddenly. There came a sound. A sound. A sound. From heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. I've said it before and I'm coming to a close. But I've said it before that wind only makes a sound. If it is forcing itself against something else. It has to have another object brother Virgil. It does not make a sound unless it is forcing itself against Something else. And so this sound from heaven as it is descending upon the earth. If it's forcing itself against the prince and the power of the air. Check. If it's forcing itself against the praise of those that wave the offering. Check. Or if it forces itself against the prayers of the last ten days. Check. It makes no difference. The finale. It was promised that God would come down. And on this day, this day of harvest, this day of first fruits, uh, I would not give just a law that would guide you or that would limit you. But there would be a greater that would be given. Show us the signs. Show us the times. Is this the time in which we're, we're ascended upon the Mount of Olives. Is this the time in which you restore again the kingdom to Israel? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. That's for the Father's power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. You're wanting to establish something for you, for your family. Are you going to restore again the kingdom to Israel? No. You're missing the picture. I'm not going to restore anything to Israel. This ain't the time for the kingdom to be established. This isn't the time. What this is, it's time for a new Uh, A law, if you would, to be established. A new covenant to be established. You wait in Jerusalem and you wait until the promise comes. And they did. At the first Pentecost, people came to the edge of the mountain. And they saw and heard the voice or the tongues of fire. And the law was given. But on that second Pentecost... Where the tongues of fire would come down. It would not be the law. That would. Catapult them to their future. 
it would be the power of God that would catapult them to their future. I have come to tell you, my God, I've come to say it, declare it, prophesy it. I don't know how you want to receive it. I don't know how you're going to operate in it. But God has given his people an ability He has given his people an ability. I have given you the ability. We sing about, the choir sing about greater works. We can sing it all day long if we don't believe that he gave us the power to accomplish those. He's not trying to give us something to restore this church. He's given us something to restore the kingdom of God for the future. I'm going to give you something. Three thousand people lost. They lost their lives during the first Pentecostal experience. During the second Pentecostal experience, three thousand people lost their lives. They lost normalcy. and I'm walking around taking a beating I want you to know something as passionately as I can say it say it without without it coming out like it's a negative statement but it's not negative but you're taking a beating when he's given you the power and the authority first Pentecostal experience he said my people need my law but Jesus Christ fulfilled the law and at the second Pentecostal experience when the tongues came down from heaven my people need my power And with that power, Brother Short, I mean, he already stomped all over it. Comes an authority. And with that authority comes a dominion. A dominion over your body. A dominion over your mind. A dominion over your finances. see that one person that I feel like is going to be a match I just want to meet their eyes today
in the last day there's going to be a sound the finale is going to be littered with this is that how do you grow a Pentecostal church my God I never find in the word of the Lord where they struggled with growth I don't ever see a place in the New Testament where growth was ever a problem it was never an issue the problem was ministry we don't have enough it wasn't growth well that that was a different day it wasn't a different day the same spirits have been fighting we're using different methods now but we're more educated now tit for tat the problem is is they had an experience and that experience settled some matters in their heart How do you know that? Because the very first recorded instance outside of that Pentecostal experience was silver and gold. Have I none? But such as I have. What do you have? I have a Pentecostal experience. And that Pentecostal experience caused a ruckus. Because that man said, whatever they had, they gave it to me. And I don't know what else to do but make a noise about it. I don't know what else to do. But say, I was blind, but now I see. Come on, somebody. In the last days, there's supposed to be a sound. My experience no different. Thank you for joining us here at the church today in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.churchtodaytulsa.com. And if you're ever in the Tulsa area, we would be honored to have you join us in person and see what God is doing through His church.